episode of Sessions with Mary Jane. I am your host, Jordan Freed, and I am here with a multi-multi-talented artist, uh, Kat London. Hey, Jordan. <laughs> uh, she, she is not only a uh, musician, which is how I was brought into her orbit. She is coming to the Williams Center on November 4th, so get your tickets to that if you haven't already gotten those. But she is also an actress. She is also a uh, musical improviser and uh, comedian. Uh, welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you for having me. And uh, it was so cool to learn that you did musical improv at one point, too. Oh, yeah. Now my band, or my, my troupe, it that is. I'm calling a band. No, <laughs> I, I, say, I say the same thing. I've actually been starting to call it a band. Yeah. So it's weird that you slipped. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think some people don't know what to make of musical improv, and there's different types of musical improv, because no, you have, like, whose line is it anyway, musical improv, right. which is very different dun, than, dun, like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, like, like off book or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but uh, duly noted, may, may rise from the ashes the, I think, eventually look. again. We, uh, we have some great times when we practice. We're just uh, moving quicker and quicker apart. We have our pianist in the D.C. area, oh. two of our members in uh, the, uh, the like Williamsburg, Virginia area. Gosh. Couple, a couple members are teachers uh. <laughs> spread out throughout the Hudson Valley well, in New look, Jersey. I, I've got some accompanists for you. Don't worry about it. Oh, nice. Well, <laughs> we'll bring that together. Nice. Um, what, what's your like musical improv usually? You do it as Cat in Vegas? Is yeah, Cat in jam? Vegas is uh, the troupe. We are, uh, goodness gracious, we started in 2008 or 2007. Wow. 2007, I think. Um, and we've been going since then. And it's just the duo. So we both make up the lyrics on the spot, but I actually am on piano and guitar. And then we often um, invite audience members up. So there comes a time in the night where we say, like, all right, I need to be hands-free so that my brain can work better than it has been. And uh, in any audience, you'll find a musician. And oh, they come wow. on up to the stage and they just play. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's just the two of us. We don't really do what we call each other or call ourselves is kind of like a band, like just a duo. Whereas like standard musical improv is like very musical, like musical theater esque. Yeah. Uh, it's less that and more just like short form set to song, but like singer songwriter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's super cool. Our tagline is, are you ready to soft rock? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <Yeah. laughs> have you, uh, so what is what types of venues have you played? Like that's a long time to have a little troupe. You must have like yeah. been all over the world with that. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, the furthest we've been is uh, is Toronto. So we played the big city. Uh, what is it called? Uh, it's a festival up in uh, oh, one of their comedy clubs up there. Why can't I? I see it all the time. But uh, the uh, that was a festival that we did. Then we did a festival in D.C. And a lot of Philly stuff. We've been um, kind of brought up and nurtured in Philly, oh, even nice. though okay. I live in New. We both live in New Jersey, but of course we've hit the New York scene, People's Improv Theater. Um, yeah, I just. It, it's a lot of comedy theaters. Yeah. Sometimes it's burlesque theaters. Cool. Sometimes it's music venues. What I find is that the more I combine my original music shows with my improv shows, um, the more I really don't care what the venue is as long as it's the right vibe. Like, it, you know, 
it can be the weirdest room ever and it's appropriate for what we're giving. And more importantly for like an act like that, Cat in Vegas, the audience needs to be able to receive it and you know improv well, so yeah. you know that people need to hear what is happening on stage because often you're not mic'd. Oh yeah. So And you're making it up on the spot. So like it's hard enough to get your fellow improvisers to hear you and understand what you're saying. If you don't get the yeah. audience, they're gonna be so lost. Totally. Like, What's going on? Totally, totally. But we've done yeah, we've done that act. Um, we've done weddings. Oh wow, that's people. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> we've done two weddings. Um, yeah, we we play all over. Yeah. What what what's an improvised song that you've done at a wedding? Oh my god. Oh, I don't remember. Okay, so god. I don't what we I don't remember any verbatim, but sometimes we make we would make a song up about the couple. Nice, nice. You know, that's kind of that's kind of standard, but other than that, we just take a regular word from the audience and we go from there. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. So let's uh, rewind a little bit. Have sure. you been in Jersey your whole life? My whole life. Wow. Yeah. So what is the most uh, wonderful thing about New Jersey to you? Wow. The people, I think. Um, I'm from Monmouth County, so it's like a, a big surf county. I don't surf. My father surfs. I used to kind of surf. I used to pretend to try to kind of surf. <laughs> so it's like this, you know, like... In, you get the the stigma of Cali that's like, yeah, man. So you get, like, the hustle and bustle of New York, but combined with this, like, kind, relaxed, welcoming vibe right there in Monmouth County. And I, I just love it. Also, the traffic's not as bad as North Jersey, so. No, not at all. <laughs> rock, so rock on. <laughs> so you grew up kind of like a beach gal or. Yeah, I be wouldn't. Beach adjacent. <laughs> be, you know what? Beach adjacent is the perfect word for me because I was never like, like muscles and cockle shells and like I wasn't. Like, I didn't have my hair braided with, like, beads in it or anything. You know, like, I, I never, like, got into that surfing mode. Uh, but I was always at the beach. And it was just part of our family. My father had a boat. And uh, he grew up right by the beach. So we always had that kind of, that nautical love. One of my favorite places in the United States is Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, wow. And we would frequent there uh, just because we, uh, my aunt has a place up there. So we would go and it was just, it was magic. It is magic. I still go. When I, whenever I'm on tour, I try to hit Newport uh, or the vicinity. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Um, where, did you have a big family? Did you have a lot of siblings? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I didn't have a lot of siblings, but my, my aunts and uncles, there were seven of them. Oh wow. And then, yeah. uh, my grandfather had seven of them. I, on my, that's my mother's side, my father's side, five of them, five, I don't know, five, they, you know, it's a big Italian family, nice. but it's just me and my sister. Cool. <laughs> They're like <laughs> less and less children. But I do have a lot of cousins, so that's always just mwah. Sometimes that's better to have a bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins, right. and then just be the the two. Dude, you get, <laughs> get way more down. you get way more presents that way, right? <laughs> All right, I'm looking for gifts from my family. <laughs> <laughs> so when did your uh, your gift start? When did you start getting into music and the creative yeah. like, world? Yeah, I think I. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> uh, I, I think everyone's born with it. Uh, the, um, just the, the spark. And I think my spark kind of led me to the fuse of like, uh, like drawing 
and like plays, costumes, uh, music in general, because my uncles were really involved in music. My father and my mother constantly had music playing in the house. And uh, just in public school, like my elementary school days immediately went, like enrolled into a, have you ever done chime choir? There's, they're like these, I can't describe them. Everybody, every music teacher on earth right now is gonna laugh at me. <laughs> There's, they're these like hollowed out metal things that gong, cause they have like a slapper on the back of them. Okay. And you hit them and it's just this beautiful chime sound. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a glockenspiel, I guess, kind of. But you do it with your hands. Wow. And when we were kids, they were like, here, you're going to do this. And you're going to very early on read music in elementary school. It was so cool. So we had wow. to like read along. I don't know if it was like real music. It was probably some sort of like semi-real semi music. Yeah. And you just knew when to, you know, you learn motion, you learn movement, rhythm, and timing. Uh, and they were like, you know. Like 15 kids and then school choir stuff like that I wasn't as a kid well that was two separate thoughts that happened at once um, <laughs> I didn't hit um, like school plays until the fifth grade because they didn't offer them until the fifth grade but as far as like performing like at home always putting plays on my cousin would dress me up in costumes that made no sense a lion's mask with a tutu, <laughs> lip syncing to the circle of life. Um, I would lip sync to Paula Abdul with pretty, pretty princess board game jewelry stuck to my bangs. Um, they had these funny clip-on earrings. Like they, they were pretty dope, actually. But I'd put them in my hair, and uh, yeah, that was like that was the motion of the ocean. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the what were the first instruments that you like really took a liking to? Was it piano or guitar? Guitar. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I think the first instrument that I ever loved was the voice, but I was never taught that that was an instrument. Yeah. Um, so I guess in retrospect, that was the first one. But then guitar, um, mostly because of like the taste of music in my family, a lot of rock. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, what types of bands were you into when you were a kid? Oh, well, okay. Well, <laughs> before I had my own identity, I was mooching off the tastes of my parents, which was very varied. We would have, um, I'll, ju I'll just run the gamut here and name them all. Yanni, The Nutcracker, Cats the Musical, In Excess, Meatloaf, um... They like grand music. Like metal, <laughs> like like some, like a little bit of, well, Journey, um, obviously Paula Abdul. It was like pop and rock for sure. I'm, Three Dog Night, uh, Little River Band, um, there's so many. But then as I like shaped my own tastes, it was like Donna Lewis, Alanis Morissette, Jewel, and then eventually like... Ryan Adams, Damien Rice. Damien Rice now, uh, after all my phases, is my favorite artist, Damien Rice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. When did you, like, was songwriting always easy for you? Or did, like, did it always come to you like, I want to make this. I know what I feel. I know what I, like, hear. Yeah. Whether or not it was good or not, <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. Yes, it did. Nice. Yeah. Word. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Did 
did you always like is is your actual name Cat London? Did you no always no stage name? It's so funny that you asked that because I oh my gosh it's so funny you asked that Jordan. Just today, <laughs> I'm driving to my yoga class, and I look up. Obviously, I'm looking up, but I focus on the car, the truck in front of me, and it said Costantinos, and Costantinos is my last name. Oh wow! And I'm like, what the hell is going? I flipped out. <laughs> I was like. I, I was like, I, that's it. I don't want to go by London anymore. I'm doing Constantino. It was like a beacon of light. It was beautiful. I saw it in all its glory. <laughs> I complimented the font on the truck, and then I saw the website. It was just Costantino.com, and then I got angry because I know <laughs> I couldn't have Costantino.com. I was like, what is happening? But the origin of Cat London is um, no one could pronounce my last name, even if they were reading it front like this with a, like, with a piece <laughs> of paper in front of their... Absolutely no one could pronounce it. And every time I say that, by the way, everybody goes, well, I could have pronounced it. I'm like, go ahead, try me. <laughs> Get on a mic and pronounce the last name. I guess they, it, it just wound up being a different last name. So when I was recording in Woodstock in like 2008, 9, 10 era, oh, nice. okay. uh, there was a, there's an artist graveyard. There's an artist cemetery where all artists are buried. And I went shopping. I was like, I need a name. So we went through all the headstones, and there were two headstones. It was between Catherine Castle, and there was just one stone that said London. And we just kind of decided Cat London is pretty freaking easy wow. <laughs> to spell. <laughs> but then everybody's like, is it spelled with a C or a K? Then it, then it has to come out. Then it yeah. has to see. <laughs> the brand is born. The brand is born, yeah. Uh, so was that like your first solo project that you went up to Woodstock for, or you had been yeah. doing things? So it was, uh, yeah, that was like the first record. Um, yeah, so we did like five or six songs. I forget what it was. Uh, me and the guitar player who I was playing with at the time. Nice. What yeah. was it like to uh, perform in such a hollowed area and just a historic area and just so much so much art going on now? Like I'm very aware of it now. Like that kind of Woodstock, Rosendale kind of area. Right. It was, it didn't, unf well, everybody, everybody who was my senior, yeah. it meant a lot more to them because of just when the time happened, when yeah. that was, became hollow ground. And, um, I, but I felt the ghosts. I, I felt all of the ghosts and that was what was important to me. And, and it did fuel me. It made me feel very welcomed, welcomed and held. Um, yeah. There was a few, kind of like, vagabond musicians in the area, like that, just like street wanderers, <laughs> who uh, I just brought my guitar to town one one evening, and I just strapped it around my neck because uh, we were staying at a studio, uh, Robert Frazza down the street, um, and we had been performing at the Bearsville Theater up there. Oh, cool. Uh, we just took took a stroll. And then all of a sudden there were like five dudes just like playing music around me with like bongos and like I think another guy had a guitar, I forget, and then one guy like had nothing but he was just with us. And no one knew each other's names and I, I think the beauty of that town is that they always know the history of, you know, how encouraging the music was. And it still is. There's so many talented musicians up there. I actually saw Donna Lewis up there. Oh, wow. Fulfilling a childhood dream. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the good thing about uh, those, like, just historic areas is, like, the, 
everybody moves to that area either with the knowledge or they learn very quickly. Like, I went to school down in New Orleans, and it's just, like, oh, same vibes where it's like, wow. oh, there's so much music history here. Yeah. There's so much attention to art. Why do you live here if you don't like the arts? Yeah. Why, like, there's totally. a reason to be here. You know uh, what? That's what it was. Everybody was your friend before they before you got to know them. And that's yeah. it was that kind of feeling. And I learned more about the history of the town the more I was there, obviously. You know. Yeah. You, you can't be somewhere, not know the territory. <laughs> Did you do the road at all? You you toured a little bit? Yeah. I uh I've I've toured um I've done the air and the road. Nice. Um I have not played yet overseas. Uh I played in California. Um I was working with a Grateful Dead band, actually. It oh, was nice. cool. We got to play with Bob Weir. Oh, wow. Uh, it That's was sick. so sick. It was before the John Mayer stint that yeah, he did. Yeah. And um, as far as road, I love to go up to Boston. Oh, yeah. uh, Indiana- Indianapolis was awesome. We hit Muncie, Indiana with the band, the full band. That's uh, the band that you'll see on November 4th. Great. And all the way down to Washington, D.C. And if I'm forgetting any other states, sorry, guys. Um, but most recently I was on tour in August and I, August and March. Nice. Hit Boston to DC. Wow. Yeah. What, what was one of the weirdest venues you've ever played? Oh my God. Oh, I should have come. You know what? This is such a great question. And I never, I always can top it. Like once I get in my car afterwards, I can always top the weirdest venue. Uh, I guess I gotta go. See that? Oh, it's just gonna be—it's gonna be too much radio silence here. Oh, it's all good. I have one in mind, and it's more—it wasn't a weird venue; it was a grateful venue. But what was very fun, <laughs> funny about it, and he would love—the the owner would love to hear this, I'm sure—is Galactic Theater. Most recently in um, Warren, Rhode Island. Oh, cool. You walk in there, and it's kind of like the room that we're having this podcast in now. Um, very like indie-looking underground feel. He himself is a musician, so he's got this like rockabilly tone, and he's like got this growl, and he opens up the evening, and it, like it could not be less, uh, could not be more different than my genre. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it was like so just the experience of that night. He went up, then I went on, and he said, "Do you want the real galactic intro?" And I was like, (laughs) and I was already with him. He had handed me a candy bar. He's like, I don't have anything to give you. Do you want anything? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm not hungry. He goes, I need to give you something. He gives me this oversized candy bar. (laughs) So already, like, we're just chumming it. We're having a great time. And he's like, do you want the galactic intro? And I don't know what he's talking about. And he um, I said, (laughs) yes, as an improviser. I was like, "Uh, like, absolutely. And he played this loud cinematic spacey beautiful aggressive uh musical intro that he has pre-recorded that's like welcome to galactic theater (laughs) but it's like it's like 15 seconds long like it takes time it takes up space (laughs) and it's just it's it's this very cute stage it's not a big stage there's no there's no front curtain but it's this 
wonderful attention, this weirdness. There's an Oompa Loompa face on the back of the stage. It's very <laughs> It's like trippy as hell. Yeah. And then what I loved about that whole night was even though my songs, my, my song, my songs, geez, my songs were like a little like lower in tempo for like a raunchy Wednesday drinking night. Yeah. Everybody, for some reason, clapped after my, like they would talk during my set but clap after my songs. And I knew that this kind of audience, because we were also joking with each other a lot, they yeah. were with me every second. But it was just, it was, the whole thing was an oxymoron, if I'm using that metaphor correctly. Like, it just didn't add up, but everything added up perfectly. Yeah. And it was such a fun time, and uh, I can't wait to go back there one day. <laughs> yeah. You said it was a, a little bit of a trippy space. Have you ever dabbled in psychedelics? I never have. I know a little bit about, like, just just through my own journeys, through, like, I don't know if you've heard of Joe Dispenza, but my own, like, quantum physics journeys uh, and my gurus that I look up on YouTube. I oh, know wow. a little bit about, like, ayahuasca and psychedelics. Well, let's and shift a little bit. What are your quantum journeys, your quantum physics journeys? Sure. <laughs> uh, well, after hitting rock bottom uh, during COVID lockdown... I said, I need more out of my life. I'm, as a friend of mine uh, just reminded me of, you're here for a long time, but here for a good time. Or not even, there's no buts. I'm here for a long time and I'm here for a good time. And during COVID, I was like, let's go. I just want everything to be love and not suffering. And my drummer, Anthony Frieda, who you'll see November 4th, he goes, guys, I, I just read this book. I had this book. I, I really think you'd like it. We're like, oh, really? And he described that it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Oh, and wow. that is precisely what he does. He talks on a little bit scientifically and spiritually, but the very apparent addiction that we have to the identities that we're, um, like, it's set. We think it's set in stone and the identities of our old selves, basically. So he's bringing us into new environments of love, gratitude, and uh, just kind of looking looking to the now and, and then henceforth looking forward, looking forward to the future instead of trying to anticipate the future. I, is, it's not the best way I can describe it, but I highly recommend breaking the habit of being yourself. And uh, most recently, have you ever heard of The Courage to Be Disliked? No. Yo, that book, very cool, very cool, yeah. What, what's it all about? That is about, I don't wanna mess this up, I'm not a touring author yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it is about gaining it's about diminishing hierarchy structures in your brain. It's about thinking you're enough and therefore you can have the courage to fall in love and be reminded of the things that you were endowed with in love when you were, let's just say, a younger version of yourself. Uh, before, before the stresses and the pressures and the not enoughness of the world um, messed with your head. 
And wow. that's a little, that's a little, usually I'm better at describing that book to my friends. I'm, I'm usually like 200% better at describing that, but that's like, I don't know, I'm feeling a little trippy right now. So <laughs> it's all good. It's all it's good. It's the basement. <laughs> um, do you read a lot in general? Not a lot. I read when I do. Nice. Uh, I read when it hits me to read. Um, but I, as far as books are concerned, yeah. but as far as like in taking poems, like poetry, I, c I would say often. I read poetry pretty often, and I write poetry pretty often. Nice. Yeah. Do you see your poetry more as like songwriting, or do you have it like as a separate like arm of your uh, yeah. self is like your poetry? Sure. They are now. If you asked me five years ago, I would say, yeah, definitely separate branches, just because of all the people telling me to pick one. Yeah. Pick a thing. You can't be a comedian. You can't be a musician. You can't. You know. You, you seem scattered. Uh, but now it's all the same thing. And uh, I, my, my husband Rich has always encouraged me to combine everything. Yeah. Um, but when it comes from, you know, he he's also my keyboard player, Wait. and I play in his band as well. Nice. So when it's like so close to home, there's. There's like a deluge of encouragement, but there's also more doubt. I'm like, well, you love me, so uh, of course you want me to be all these things and want me to be happy. It sounds like I'm asking for torture. Of course I want happiness. But it was when the persistence of uh, my drummer, Anthony, he's like, why don't, like, you should really do the musical improv during a regular original set. And that was a, that was a difficult transition to me, for me to say yes to. Um, for so long, I had kept them separate. And I gotta tell you, it was like, it was going upstream. It was such a battle to deny parts of myself during other parts of myself that were being seen by an audience. Like, hi, I've got all these, these heavy songs, but you also don't know, unless it's the banter in between the songs, that I'm actually who I am, which is also someone who loves comedy and has empathy and et cetera. Um, but he really encouraged that. And now every single time we go out as a band, we, we perform an improv song. Nice. And, uh, but I, I have to, yeah, I have to express gratitude to the band, Anthony, Paul, O'Keefe, uh, bass player and, and my husband, Rich, he, he has, totally scooped me up and you know blown me to the wind uh, to be carried countless times and it it's been a beautiful journey of music with him yeah that's super cool yeah. i feel like uh musicians and artists have very non-traditional schedules so anytime you could uh bring your partner into that schedule it's good because <laughs> you don't ever very, see them if that's the case very right oh yeah uh, <laughs> yeah totally you like like it just got it just got real in here because that was a, a problem that yeah. that was gonna be a problem in my head uh, but we we do music all the time together and I'm I often um, if you see a cat in Vegas show there'll come a point in the night where I'll just put my husband on the piano oh, for nice. like two or three songs if no one's volunteering you know yeah. he'll just go on he's performed as an accompanist many times it's so it's so cool yeah, very really much so. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like musical improv, 
how yeah. did you learn that? Was it just coming from like your musical perspective and you were like, oh, I can make a funny song? Or did you like actually go through like specific training to do it in a, like, a systematic way? Right. Uh, no, I, no system. Uh, I'll tell you ha how it uh, happened. I was really hitting the singer-songwriter vibe in college as well as musical theater. I was choreo choreographing and performing but um, I was doing long for, short form and long form improv at, in my college troupe cool. called the Mixed Signals Where'd at you go? TC and J. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah. uh, and my friend Vegas was in that troupe. Cool. And then it just kind of randomly, one night I was in the basement of my friend's house, I was playing my own music, just songs I've written, and then he started making up new lyrics to the sound, basically the sound beds that I had already created for my songs, so it became like, not parodies of my songs, because we <laughs> definitely didn't borrow the melody, but we just started, like, with what I, I'm, I'm not an extremely skilled uh, instrumentalist, like, I'm, I'm not a classically trained person, so I can't, yeah. like, I'm not, like, all jazzy, so uh, we just kind of stuck for a while with, like, the music that I, I had, and we just kind of workshopped that for a little bit, and then very unprepared, uh, as an unprepared goal of ours, we went on stage and got booked at the college to like do the Rathskeller there and just do like a comedy night. It went fine, I guess, but we just, we kind of taught ourselves. And uh, we both, Vegas kind of likes to sing. He, he doesn't do musicals or anything, but he, he'll always, he'll go, ah, I'm not great. But he, he is, he, I think he's great. He's a dynamite improviser. Holy mackerel. Um, so it's like this very weird, by itself kind of genre we created. Yeah. And then it wasn't until later that like someone was going to a free um, class at the Magnet up in New York, which is a, yeah. co a comedy school. And they're like, do this musical theater, uh, like this freezies class it was like two hours long or whatever yeah and that was cool like I learned how to work with like a bigger group to create a musical um and build on those kind of skill sets that's where I learned the uh the game bad rap have you ever oh, had yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually no wait I didn't learn bad rap there Vegas taught bad rap to me from a different class that he took uh but yeah there's so many options definitely yeah what what type of inspiration did you draw from Philly from your time there? You said that you started there, kind of. Just, I just have so much gratitude for the variety shows and the burlesque performers. We headlined for six, Cat in Vegas headlined for six years at a uh, stage that unfortunately closed down during COVID called okay. Latage. Okay. And Latage was, it was like a red curtain. It had the whole, that like, that golden feel and it was tiny it was like a lounge but it was a loft yeah. and it had a bar and it was everybody was kind and sexy and fun and we headlined it, the night was a uh, it was shout out to joe gates uh it was called show gates with joe gates <laughs> and it would start with him like calming the crowd and having like a receptive vibe and like describing what's about to go down and we're safe here 
and then like a stand-up would do 10 minutes and then a burlesque would go on for five minutes and then uh, another improv troupe would go on for 20 minutes and then uh, the burlesque would go on for another five minutes and and then we would perform wow and it was just this such a cool like wow doesn't art exist like we we all chose art tonight and you're gonna get all kinds of facets of it yeah wow yeah it was such a dope time and I, I hope to have, like, guys, the Williams Center is, this is immaculate. This is such a cool, this is the variety show that, oh, I, yeah. that I miss, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's so many things going on. We have open mics coming through here with uh, poets and flute players. We have what? R&B and hip-hop concerts in our basement. Ah. Uh, we have, yeah, video game orchestras coming through. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, so I, I definitely appreciate the curation and the mixture of arts. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's super cool. Yeah, you guys are doing a bang-up job, and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, not kind of, extremely new and fresh to the scene here. Uh, but I'm so happy that I get to grace that stage in that big room. I'm it looks dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's been a, a fun ride so far. I've been here a few months, but it feels like I packed like three years into the few months that I've wow. been here. Wow, uh, that's really cool. Just every day is a new challenge and a new uh, exciting part of the building that I'm like, oh, yes. so that's what that uh, noisy machine is doing. <laughs> that is the 100 year old like HVAC, or that is the yeah, brick yeah. that has been laid by somebody who's been dead for 80 years. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, it's you, you just reminded me of a conversation I was having the other day. We need more theaters. The more, it, it just, you know, and I'm biased, but I just think every town should have a theater. Yeah. And I think when towns don't have theaters, we forget that there's a presence and a need and a spirit. We just die if we don't yeah. see these opportunities. You have to, and the only thing, look, a theater on its own has plenty of life in it. But when something's not loved, it decays. And I think humans can, can breathe, like can share its ox- their oxygen with it. And that's what every theater needs. Yeah. And it just starts with one person. And I, I totally want to like, I don't know. That's my mission is just to breathe life into these. I love live performance spaces. So yeah. that's kind of where my heart lies. Someone recently, well, because everything, I, I love doing sketches on social media. Because yeah. <laughs> any, any outlet to get the weirdness out is perfect. And uh, also it's just beautiful for outreach in general. People in London can enjoy your sketches. Uh, but live performance, that's where I started. And someone just reminded me, they're like, oh, yeah, I hope your live performances are going great. And I haven't spoken to this person, but the way that they, in, in quite some time, but the way they said that to me was like, oh, that's Kat, she loves live performance. And I'm so happy that that, like, that conveys through my action and my love and my reflection. I just want more of that. Yeah. Even though I can't be everywhere at one time, sometimes when I feel when I'm performing in a theater, I do feel like that theater is everywhere in the world. Just that one night is so great. (laughs) For sure. Like whenever you're reading uh, like a biography or you're watching a documentary about something, you're like, 
this person was as great as they are because they were in a place at one time. Yeah. And they chose to be at a place and people chose to see them. And they were left with a memory that they kept telling their kids and their Dude. grandchildren. And then somebody decided to write a book about it or somebody yes. had footage from it. And it's like, that is the culture. That is how you make it. And I think some people forget about it sometimes with like influencer culture. It's like, it's, it's not just vacuous. Like there has to be people working in it, these spaces. Exactly. There has to be people paid in these spaces to make it That's or else thing. it doesn't exist. You know, like an influencer won't have anything to go to and be like, Correct. I went to this amazing thing. Come by. If like people aren't putting up the walls exactly. and like doing all of the actual work that goes into exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have to have that interaction with the spaces and the walls or nature. Uh, yeah. Spaces, landscapes in. Yeah. I forget what I was going to say. I, I had a thing. It'll come up. It'll come up. <laughs> We, I, just, I love talking to you. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. It's a great time so far. I'm, I'm really having a good time chatting, too. Awesome. Uh, I saw also that, you, like, obviously you said earlier, you are, were an improviser, still are an improviser. Yeah. Uh, how much have you gotten into acting? I saw that you have a little bit of film work. Is yeah. that, like, a thing that you're actively pursuing? Is it just, like, a thing that comes up when it comes up? Do you yeah. do stage? Oddly enough, so it... Uh, all the answers, acting <laughs> actively and, and passively. Yeah. Or it comes up when it comes up. Like, the big things come up when they come up. Uh, but also, yeah, I, it's hard to say. I, yeah. I'm not – my agent passed away a few years ago. No, I'm, I'm not represented. Uh, rest in peace. Um, and then I just – after that, I – just kind of got onto well that was during COVID so oh. I was already in like a weird like rock bottom on my way up so like peeled back all the layers um exposing the courage that I needed to do shit myself uh so I wanted to like self book and reach out to people that I have done film before I actually um I think it was just prior to COVID I produced a film called Scuba oh nice uh but I got really down on myself because we, because once lockdown hit, we couldn't really um, just with it, because you need a ton of money to bring a film forward to the proper spaces. Yeah. Um, I, I got really down on myself because yeah. I made it all about like funding. I don't want to get too far off the topic that you initially asked. No, this which is cool. Was, um. uh, well, I'll I'll explain that because I guess we're just talking about acting in general. I got pretty down on myself thinking that things could only succeed, only succeed with funding alone. Like, yeah. oh, I know where to put, I, I know marketing. Let me just put the funding toward this and it'll just boom. Yeah. It, it'll take off. That's not the case. There's so many things you can do with, without funding it is very discouraging when you're when it like an artist is struggling to back a project because a lot of projects will fall flat. Yeah. But I think you need to have at least a full cup of courage to get it as far as you can. And by as far, you have to really have an intention of what you mean by far. Yeah. Is it far in the success of someone else's eyes? Well, like until it it gets in the hands of Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's not a success. It's when your belief runs out. 
or when you feel it waning, see if you can push just a little bit more toward, like what, ask yourself, what else am I not doing right now without funding yeah. to bring this piece of art, to choose this piece of art over and over again? Granted, it gets exhausting to a point where you're like, I need money, I need a Kickstarter, I need a this. And then the money can give it, can, can provide the platform to give that art and money's great. Money's awesome. Because what money does is it gives a larger platform for more people to fall in love with it. Yeah. We're, look, art was here already. We have to arrive to it. I, I always say, like, improv was here already. Music was here already. It's up to you to arrive to it. And how are you going to do that? So music needs pervasiveness. And it needs to be widespread. So ask, don't give up until you need help if you truly believe in something and then keep going forward you can always quit but if you feel weird about quitting it probably wasn't a great choice and you don't necessarily have to i used to be a perfectionist i should say i'm learning unlearning perfectionism with that said what the structure in my mind was if i'm not doing something full freaking throttle and if I can't sustain full throttle I should just quit it because I'm not doing it the way I want to be doing it where I'm learning now is if you choose to do something full throttle but you're running out of energy a little bit you don't have to you can just get take the foot off the gas a little bit and sustain yourself get your energy back um, you don't have to go, I have to quit improv because I need to focus on my music. Or I have to quit music because I have to focus on my improv. Or I, ha I really just want to be on the big screen. I want to be uh, an actress. So, like, what am I doing in these indie comedy spaces? No. Do it. Fucking do it all. But you don't have to have this perfectionist mindset on it, doing it full throttle all the time. And oddly enough, once you have reached stasis with everything, it just combines and balance. There's so much balance that happens when you take your foot off the gas. I bet. Yeah. And it depends on the perspective. Some people are like, well, when I say foot on the gas, it means something different to me. That's great. For me, foot on the gas was my gas tank was being eaten up in like 10 minutes. Yeah. So I, once I started not just bulldozing everything, everything coexisted in its, oddly enough, in its perfect state. It, I was, it, everything is coming to me now. A little bit about like, like some woo-woo psychedelic stuff is now that I'm, the energy is in stasis, I can balance, not stasis, but balance. Yeah. Everything's coming to me more frequently, manifestation of it. I'm doing comedy and music and acting and poetry evenly. Yeah, wow. Nothing is taking hierarchy. And what The Courage to be Disliked is about is that dissolving of hierarchy in general. And, that, and that's like a good lesson for you, like ourselves. Nothing, for me, it helped to say none of my art is taking hierarchy over the, the next. Nothing is superior than the other. It's just art. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, and acting. Um, I did some, it's funny, I kind of, I did a lot of indie acting. Um, yeah. A lot of my friends are, are filmmakers, which I'm, I just love working with them. They're, they're so talented. Uh, but I did, like, I've done man on the street interviews stuff in New York for like small production companies. Um, nothing commercial, but I did like a, I think a, one thing that you'll appreciate is uh, a few years ago, um, Gary Vaynerchuk's, what is it, VaynerMedia? Yeah. Hired, um, hired me to do this three, it was for General Electric Lighting. So GE yeah. hired Vayner to do like a, a Facebook commercial. It was a three hour event with a 360 degree camera on a set. Oh wow. And I was responsible for writing comedic songs about light bulbs. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was cool. Like I would get a word from the audience um, on the Facebook page and whatever. I don't know what the words were, but I would like tie it. They would give me about 10 to 15 minutes. It wasn't improv, but it was a, I had to create a melody, a song and lyrics and write them in like my little set piece using like just the environment that was of course lit by a bunch of general electric lights. <laughs> the new launch, I think I had the relax bulb it was called. The relax bulb. Oh, wow. so relaxing. But stuff like that. I did background work uh, for the first time this year, nice. which usually people start with background work and then go up from there. But I like, kind of did that backwards. Yeah, I do, do a lot of background work. Do you really? Yeah, it's it, like, for me, like, I know the difference between background acting and like principal acting sure. and all that <laughs> stuff. But for me, it's always good to be on set and just like, see who the characters are who are like playing like behind the scenes because yeah. like it does give you an access like if you're always doing background work you know all of the film sets and totally like, you might become a stand-in or something like that yeah definitely yeah. some stand-in work yeah and it's super cool if you're working with like an idol or something you know yes like it's wild to be like background and see like jim from the office like directing and you're like why are you looking into the camera oh it's because of that yeah you're I you're actually in charge of it right now i can't give anything <laughs> away but i was on set with fred durst from Lim oh wow wait yeah limp biscuit wow <laughs> that must have been something it was yeah i'm looking forward to the movie coming out i can't wait to see if uh I can't wait to see what it like the storyline because they don't give you much yeah. detail. They're just like, "Hi, here, stand here, congratulations, goodbye," uh, which is a vibe in and of itself. But <laughs> oh, definitely, you meet some of the most interesting people working back. Oh Lord, I'm confli <laughs> I'm conflicted with it all, uh, which is why I did I did some of it earlier this year, and then I just took a break from casting networks. And I was like, yeah, let me. We just focus on the touring right now and stuff. Yeah. And let it present itself when it presents itself. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the time we spend, like, hustling to try to, like, find an opportunity. Yeah. But, like, the opportunity just comes when you are yourself. Yes, you, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know who you are and you make the art. Yeah. So, you're 100% right. Uh, like, way earlier this year, I think it was January, was the audition. There's a community theater by by uh, me in Red Bank, New Jersey, called Count Basie. Oh, yeah. But the, the production company is called Phoenix. And randomly, I was 
they're always on my radar, but the last show I did with them was like eight years ago. This past January, I just, I'm like, let me go on phoenixproductions.com or whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, don't quote me. That was, that's not the website. Uh, I think it's like nj.com. Uh, but uh, I went, I was like, let me see what they got cooking. They had an audition. The audition notice was like right up and the audition was that night. Oh, wow. How crazy. It was for Green Day. It was uh, for American Idiot. Oh, Green nice. Day the musical. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um, and I was like, shit, I don't have anything prepared. The audition was that night. I went, got called back, and I got a role. Wow. It was the weirdest. It was so strange. And it was my first musical back in, in mm, maybe like five, five years, because I did this weird thing off 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 Broadway uh, it, it was a strange thing I was a stand-in they gave me two weeks to memorize the stand-in the the, uh, the lines yeah I had no idea what I was walking into and they're like you're playing this person uh, it was like a supporting actor yeah. lead and like oh my god I have to do all these lines in two weeks I was bawling my eyes out and uh, they were like teaching me the choreography while on stage it was just oh it was a mess I don't think anyone noticed, which is the beauty of nice. of theater, but, uh, and everybody's yeah. supporting you. Uh, but yeah, what, what was I just saying before that? Oh, the musical uh, with Count Basie. It was uh, it was just what I needed. It was just what the doctor ordered, and uh, I needed that time back to get the courage to audition again, because that audition room is just whew, haywire. I bet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's a very high pressure pressure situation. <laughs> Have you done musical theater or the, like stage production? Uh, not since I've been an adult, really. Like I did it in high school <gasps> and like did yeah. sketch comedy and oh, you like, did nice comedy and stuff like that, but nothing, <sighs> nothing too intense. Yeah, it's definitely in the background. I've yeah, done, like stage readings and stuff like that. Yes, done plenty of those. Definitely. On the back burner, for sure, but something that but is always, always open. I would yep. do a musical if it was, like, yeah. my vibes, for sure. Yeah, like I definitely. actually did Cats in high school. Did? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you bringing full circle, because you brought just, that up earlier, that that was what oh, you listened to in the house. My God. I Cats is just by, I don't know. I, I'm just meant to have Cats be my favorite musical. <laughs> but it is my, it's my favorite musical because it was my favorite musical growing up. Uh, so I can't not have it be my favorite musical now, even though there are plenty of other musicals. I, Evita is, is second in line to that, um, as others. All the Sondheim, pe- Sondheim people are, you know, going, boo-hoo! Um, <laughs> but screw you! Um, but, yeah, Cats in high school... When I've seen, I've never seen Cats done in high school, yeah. but I've known of Cats done in high schools. And I'm just like, wait, did, was your high school like heavy on dance? Like, did you go to a performing arts high school? <laughs> no, we just had a very, uh, That's crazy. A very ambitious director. That is so. <laughs> took a lot of pride being one hour upstate from New York and was like, <sighs> I am Broadway. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I just, yeah. as a choreographer in, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like, crazy choreography but like good enough for community theater choreography I'd yeah. say um, is I just that's so much pressure so much dancing 
yeah. Wait, what were you? Were you in it? I was McCavity. No way! You're so McCavity. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! You're so McCavity. Yeah. My sister no, right cool. now, if she's listening, I am sitting next to McCavity Kelly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that is like my sister and I. My sister is four and a half years younger than I am. Um, we memorized the full choreography when the London recording came oh, out, the yeah. video. And goodness gracious, McCavity, we like pr- pretended to be bomb ballerina and oh, yeah. <laughs> Deme- Demeter? Yeah. Demetri- whatever her name is. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy time for sure. Like, the, the musical before that was The Wedding Singer, which is like a pretty poppy, rocky, like I neutral lo- yes. musical, especially like Love the wedding for, singer. for a high school lad, like you're like, musicals can be cool. <laughs> and then I was like, lad. I'm going to quit football to do the fall play. Oh and my then they God. Canceled, they canceled the fall play, so they had no, no. straight play, and they were like, cats. And they do were you, like, have fun. <laughs> wait, wait, so to, to reiterate, your production of Wedding Singer got canceled. No, 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 that happened that in happened. the spring, okay. and I was like, cool, that, I like theater now. Oh, yeah, and then I was like, this cats. is my gateway to theater, is like, I was casualty of love, and I was like, cool, were this you... is fun. Yeah. Wait, were you Bobby, or um, what's the, what were you in Wedding I was just in? like, the a side character, yeah. Okay. The, the song that I was in was Casualty of Love, yeah, I was casualty like a nerd guy. Casualty of Love, yeah. I, I was stood up by my date, and by my date, I mean my mom. That yes, was, think, my that was line. your line. That was Fantastic. my line. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> We were gonna do it in college at TCNJ, but uh, it got it got yanked. I was playing yeah. Holly, but also choreographing yeah. it, and then it got yanked the rights because it went on tour. Yeah, and we're too cl- we were too close to the tour, so then we did Reefer Madness instead. Oh wow, that's sick! <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? I've never seen the musical. I gotta tell you, it was one of my favorite musicals to be a part of. Got to dance naked on stage. It was a whole. Th- I had marijuana leaves taped to my boobs and my crotch. <laughs> And I, because I choreographed that as well, we just transitioned <laughs> the production staff to that that new show. It was so fun. I got to wear a blonde wig. Wow. And I got to talk like this. And <laughs> like it was so charactery. Wow. And I, I just loved it. It's such a, I loved the movie. Yeah. Um, I it's such a, was a play. This oh, like... it was such a <laughs> sick film. Like, just so weird. Very out there. Very, like, you know, Evil Dead vibes. Like, that whole B, or like B movie what what is it like those horror those horror films that are just you know low budget had had low budget vibes but that was yeah. like the yeah. the pure beauty of it yeah wow Look at you, McCavity. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you, Reaper Madness. No, yeah. You're, you're, you played the role of my dreams. Right. <laughs> Reaper right. Madness. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, you, you would totally dig that. <laughs> it's a musical, but... The fact that you're not, like, heavy on musical theater, I think you'd really enjoy it. No, that would be kind of sick to have, uh, maybe we'll put on a production here someday. Yo, that, would, that would be kind of revised. If you freaking do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you got to do that. You got to put on Toxic Avenger. You got to do Evil Dead the musical. That's this kind of, that's this kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Think uh, about it. Hi. Do you, have any, uh, <laughs> do you have any religion in your life? Was that ever a part of your life? It was. I am not religious. I am spiritual. Um, but it was, I grew up uh, Catholic. Right. Cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I took, what I like to say is I took an art history course. I was an art history minor. I was going to be a major, um, major in it at TCNJ, but I 
I threw myself into art history and the Metropolitan and then swiftly learned that religion, nah, not for me. They paid for some good art to be made. Yeah. Right, <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> right, right. Like it definitely funded some beautiful things, but it also, um, other people were funding religion. So uh, I, I think when, when I learned about indulgences, I didn't really want to indulge in, in things of that nature, of those uh, systems. Yeah. You know, I, I'd rather f seek refuge and community and kindred spirits in just humanity and the belief that humans are innately good, where a lot of religion is based in uh, re uh, humans are innately flawed. Mm. Uh, and I think yeah. there's beauty in, it, it's, it's your perspective. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you're not doing all of this fun, what do you do for fun? <laughs> oh my God. It seems, it seems like you do a lot of fun stuff in your Dude. work life. What, what do you do for fun when you're not uh, creating? <laughs> all right, vulnerability here. Full transparency. I'm trying to find what I do for fun. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that was part of my like rock bottom was acknowledging that I have no hobbies anymore. And um, prior to COVID, and then during COVID, so like a few years prior to that, I had stopped listening to music. Uh, oh, wow. And it was just this, I was like, I, I, I couldn't even describe it to you. I just stopped listening to my favorite artists. I stopped discovering artists. I didn't care if, if people, it was so funny too, because I just had this feeling of the memory of people recommending artists to me during this yeah. time. And I just didn't give one fuck about yeah. it i i didn't i went oh wow cool thank you never looked them up it was just this weird i was combating music why isn't this working for me and then i fell almost i don't i don't know why i did it it wasn't a falling out of love with it because i always loved it but I was trying to manipulate it so hard and take so much control. And then the more you put control on something, the more you lose yourself. And I was losing like all my hobbies. You know, what do I do for fun? What I've been saying on my tours lately is, have you ever executed fun, <laughs> but we're not having fun? And I'll get like a, a groan from the audience or whatever, uh, but I, that's what I, I teach improv. I'm teaching improv pop-ups now. Oh, cool. A very new thing, part of uh, the Yes Anthem that I do. Um, we're on our second one. We're on our third one next month for Ultra Beginners. And I said, I lost 10 years. You know, lost yeah. in quotes. But I was not having fun and I was executing it. So now recently i'm getting back into my hobbies which are paint which is painting nice yeah i i keep i'm like i one day i want an easel you don't need an easel to paint but i want to get i want to break my paints back out um my both sides of my family had painters in them uh, my okay. aunt was a professional painter uh yeah just like the fine arts um i want to bring back as a hobby Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. 
Well, we've touched on a lot today. Yeah, we've had a, a great conversation. I appreciate Seriously. you coming to the Williams Center. Thank Once you. Once again, Cat London is going to be on the bill with Nick Stefanacci yeah. on November fourth. Stefanacci. So we got singer songwriter <laughs> and some sax man uh, oh. teaming up for a wonderful show. Teaming up. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys are catching comedy literally tonight, if you guys are listening to this when I release this, I'm yes. going to be at KTV in North Arlington doing Bingomedy. So that is bingo and comedy. What? Um, I'm going to be doing a set and maybe be in costume. Hopefully have some kind of costume. McCavity. Maybe. Maybe we'll bring back the McCavity costume. Dude, please bring back McCavity. We'll be obsessed. The funny thing about McCavity was McCavity had the most elaborate costume in the show. Really? I had the best costume in the game. Like... It was like orange and like yes, massive manes and like a mask and wow. like the the spandex was all like so delicately Dude, made. The tightest. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But then the first half, I was not McCavity because McCavity is only in the second act. Yes. So I was just sweatpants cat. I was just literally like a gray cat that was just like a grout fit all the way up to here Are and you? like barely any like what? mane oh and it was God. like they were trying to hide you had like, mange like you, yeah, you yeah, were mangy <laughs> yeah no I was like the cat you find in the dumpster oh <laughs> my god <laughs> um, and then you yeah. become like a, a complete badass for sure definitely taught me a lot of uh how to deal with shame and how to deal with being virtually <laughs> naked in front of everyone. Cats will definitely teach you shame. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot for uh, 15, 16 year old boys to deal wow. with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Women too, I'm sure. Yeah. It's probably a, a journey for a lot of people with body image and self love. And It never stops. <laughs> music. And as, a, yeah. as having been a choreographer, you, you're always coaching people through that acceptance. Totally. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, that's what's coming up here. Uh, check out williamcenter.co if you're trying to get, get tickets and come back. Kat, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any Anything you have to say? Plugs? Where yeah. they can find you deeper? Where they could follow you for the rest of your life? Def- de- please, follow me for the rest of my life. Uh, I read something recently that said an artist has to be able to be seen. They have to be comfortable with being seen. And for so long... I wasn't, and my behavior totally reflected that. And now my behavior is the opposite. So catlondonmusic.com. Catlondonmusic.com. If you're on Instagram or TikTok, it's at catlondonmusic. Catinvegas.com. If you love comedy, if you love, love, love comedy and you're curious about comedy, catinvegas.com. Choose art, guys. And big shout-out to Nick Stefanacci for bringing us to the Williams Center. Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back uh, hopefully not as long as in between our last two episodes. Thanks, y'all.